0: everyone. Welcome to today's episode of the Top Producing Zone Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Michael Jinn. And I'm Shane Carvalho. Today, we have a super special guest for you, Jeremy Kane of the Real Estate Agent Playbook. Now, Jeremy's not only a friend, but also a trusted partner for us in the Denver market. He's a multiple Icon Award-winning top producing agent and is recognized in the top 1% of all agents in the Denver market. Real estate is really in Jeremy's blood, and we are super thrilled today to have Jeremy on as we dive into how he built a massively successful top producing production business using his fear of influence approach. So Jeremy, with that, welcome to the show. It's super great to have you on.
1: What's up, guys? Good to be on with some fellow Wolfpack members and uh, excited to dive in. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, and you know, uh, we were talking about it before we we started this show. I guess it's kind of meant to be because literally this morning, you know, I saw your reel talking about you know giving advice to agents about this very topic. So it's very cool that we're talking about it today. Um, for those that are listening who don't know what maybe sphere of influence means, like how would you describe it, and maybe share a little bit about how it's impacted you and your real estate business?
1: Yeah, I think I think part of that is you know when people come into the business they think, you know, sphere of influence is a pillar, you know, similar to YouTube or open houses or, or some way to build your business. I really think that your sphere of influence is actually your business at the top. And all these pillars are driving people into your sphere of influence and how you manage your sphere of influence ultimately determines your success in real estate, in my opinion.
2: I agree. I'm a big sphere guy too. So I appreciate hearing that from you. It's because yep. some people try to classify it as, oh, yeah, that's like calling expireds or that's like door You know, no, it's yep. it's up here because these right. other pillars can bring them into that group. Right. So and I, I, think, I
1: definitely. Yeah. I like and I, I don't know why I, you know, just step back and I was like, if you don't have a sphere of influence, you don't have a business. Then people say, well, you know, I don't have a good sphere of influence. I'm blessed <laughs> to be, you know, working in the same market I was raised in, moved an hour north for college and moved right back. and And you know, have spheres in both of those locations. But I think ultimately our goal as leaders, you know, is to help people understand it, completely drive people to your sphere of influence. If you don't have one, that can be temporary and you can use these other tools to, to drive people into your sphere.
2: I hear that a lot, especially from newer, younger agents. I yep. tell them go
1: create it, but I don't want to take you off track. I know you got your- <laughs> No, that was, that's absolutely it. And I think I think the focus is, is you know, focusing on what you're going to do when they're in your sphere of influence as well if we're looking at it in this type of model
0: well let's let's start with that a little bit like for someone that is starting out but let's say they come and chain like like you said like they say hey i don't have a sphere how how does one go about developing that
1: i think it's intentionality right i i teach a six-week accelerator course for new agents that come into my downline and it's like okay Pick something you like, love doing where there's people turn up the intentionality just a little bit and, and focus in on that. And then, so that's like an in-person event pillar is kind of what I call it. And then I have an active pillar, right? The truth is, is as new agents, if you don't have a sphere, if you need transactions right away, they're probably going to come from open houses, door knocking, cold calling, or internet leads or farming, all of which can cost $0 or thousands, depending on how you, how you roll. So that's kind of an active pillar. Like that's how we're going to get deals as soon as possible is from that area. And then I also teach a passive pillar, which we're all pretty fond of. Um, and the Mike Sherrard lineage is, is using social media as a passive pillar, you know, whether that's YouTube or Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, whatever that is, those are more passive type of businesses or passive type of approaches and they don't happen right away and i think the biggest thing that agents do when they get into the business is they try and build all of them whether it's instagram you know facebook TikTok, youtube all at once and then they suck at all of them just like if you're trying to open do open houses door knocking cold call you're not going to be good at all of them so just build one at a time and kind of focus on that
0: yeah it's uh that that's funny because i shane and i are our, our most recent podcast episode it, we we kind of talked about that one of the reasons why agents really fail to build momentum and it's just that. They they try to do too much all at once versus yeah. like choosing the two or three things and then really becoming a master at it and focusing in on it.
2: Yeah, with an agent yesterday, I was talking about it's like drinking out of a fire hose because she was talking to me about like, oh, I want to do the Social Agent Academy and then what other fast start stuff and what can I can do it. And so since the beginning of the year, we talked about focusing on two or three things and going deep, um, so I agree with that. But I also want to add into what you were saying too, like when people say they don't have anybody, they don't have a sphere, one of the things I've told people to do is go make five new contacts a day. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. care. Talk to somebody at the grocery store, like talk to the gas station person or, you know, talk to somebody that you see walking their dog down your street. Just go make five contacts every day.
1: Five contacts every day. Like that's not a big ask. Right. And and I ask people, I'm like, oh, that's, that's pretty sad. You don't have any contacts in your phone. <laughs> you know, and that's, that's something that people don't realize. I'm like, it's there, start there. You have at least one, one contact. Um, I I was going to say, I had someone that only had 26 contacts the other day on their phone. I'm like, what rock have you been hiding in there? <laughs> I, I'd say, well, at least you got 26, start there. And that's, I mean, I think, you know, we've developed a relationship through the Wolfpack and all of that. I think that's huge is even if you are brand new to a market, like leveraging that previous market that you move from through referrals is a huge way to help you jumpstart your business and get a few bucks in the bank.
2: Yeah, talking about that yesterday too with another agent yep. was about building that referral network. Um, she's coming from a, a small brokerage that doesn't really have a reach. It's like a one shop. Mm-hmm. And uh, talking about just the power of this network, which coming into the Wolfpack was not something I really thought about. And it's yep. been at least one a month. Yep. And that's without even really intentionally working it i mean one a month that's 12 deals a year
1: yeah and that's i mean even if you're getting a quarter of the commission you're doing about a hundredth of the work right you know so that's that's super duplicatable and you know that's that's worth yeah
0: yeah and i think one thing i just wanted to add is sometimes i feel like people have spheres and they don't necessarily realize they have spheres Mm Right, like Shane, you're talking about go make go talk to five people at the grocery store. Like that's an example of a sphere that you may not be aware of. It's just your everyday routine, right? Like I go to Orange Theory or I like to go wine tasting. Those are all potential spheres. It's just sometimes people don't think about it or see it that
1: way. Or sometimes they try too hard. Or sometimes right? they try sometimes, too hard. Yeah. Sometimes they start and say, Hey, do you want to buy or sell a, yeah. a house yeah. or know someone that is? And They're I like I commission, breath. Not- <laughs> <laughs> commission breath. Commission <laughs> breath. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's just teaching a little intention, right? To newer agents or just having a little intention. And I talk about a lot that a lot with finding connectors, right? If you go to church, that person who welcomed you into the community or, you know, the usher that talks to everybody or the youth pastor that's constantly involved at all levels, if you can build a relationship with that person, they're the connector and you can just go to church to do what you're supposed to do at church versus find clients. And I think that even just dropping that, you know, wall or barrier down and you're just there to do what you do and enjoy doing it, it makes a world of difference.
2: Well, well reminding people that it's relationship building, you know, because that's what the business has changed to. Like, you know, we used to have all these plaques on the wall and trophies behind us and oh, I'm the top producer, I'm this, I'm that. And it's, Over the last decade, I've seen business shift so much. People want to work with people they connect with. That's one of the reasons, like when Michael was talking about like it's wine tasting or whiskey tasting, or, you know, like you, maybe it's one of your activities or church or whatever, um, just building those relationships. And then at least not like saying, do you have to buy or sell something, but just keeping them aware of what you do, but it doesn't have to be like intentionally saying, Oh, I'm a realtor, by the way. It's just
1: having enough presence. So they understand that or know that. Right. And I think the back end of that is just having the knowledge of the market, right? And knowing what's going on to be on your toes, because we've all been there, myself included. You know, when someone asks you a question and you're like, uh, <laughs> like you don't have a, yeah, a, a, you know, it's not a script, but you don't have a response because you never thought about that. or You know, being a constant learner in that mindset is great, but also covering a lot of your bases with the market, I think is is smart as well.
0: Yeah, what let's,
2: are some jeremy sorry
1: michael sorry no
2: no
0: no i was right. yeah i was going to say jeremy like so what are some things that you've that you do for yourself that you found effective in terms of educating yourself on the market
1: it's I, I mean ultimately it's industry partners you guys know my industry you know one of my lenders nicole ruth and she single-handedly changed my business right she had in-person events i had one friend who would constantly say the market's going to crash, the market's going to crash. I'm not going to buy a house. I'm not going to do this. He sold a house, which was cool. Um, and then, uh, he, I started going to these events that Nicole had and it was just market updates. Right. And she has a high level of understanding of the market based on the financial, based on her, you know, being a lender and an ability to communicate that with agents that's second to none. And so, every month I would attend these in-person events. And now, you know, she's not only a lending partner, she's a friend, she's a client. And, you know, it's just taken that step, but it was every single month going and listening to her go through the market and talk about it and get the, get the lingo down and all of those things that have really changed my business. And then when you step back, you're like, Oh, like Nicole's, kind of a, a badass, so to speak, but yes, yes, you yes. also have other options of other industry partners and even other lenders that do things a little bit differently. And if you can constantly consume that content, eventually you can speak that content. And so I think that's huge is finding people in your market that speak the same language and you know can, can help that. Because if you're just going on you know, the MLS and running data and that kind of stuff. Some people can do that. I can't, like I, I need somebody to do that and then tell me <laughs> and then I can regurgitate it. But I think that's huge.
0: Well, and sometimes like, I, I mean, I've run MLS data myself, but sometimes it's it's hard to like gather all the insights, right? And to mm-hmm. be able to put it into some kind of concise takeaways for, for people. And so it's kind of great that when you have a lender partner like Nicole, um, that's so aware of like kind of everything that's <laughs> going on, Yep. in the country, in the market to put it all together, that that's super okay. powerful. Stuff.
1: And then when you have the data mixed with the boots on the ground, right? Cause sometimes they're reporting stuff and it's completely different than the experience I had on three listings in that same time period. And so being able to, you know, kind of bootstrap that part and then, you know, take their data and knowledge and their perspective and kind of tell your own story, I think is, is massive.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, and no Nicole's pretty amazing, and uh, yeah, definitely appreciate knowing her. Uh, what I was going to share too, though, about you know market data, one of the issues we're having right now too, why you really want to stay on top of things is that there's not much inventory, so there's not a lot of sold data or pending active data, and so it's a little harder to gauge for clients like what's going to happen. So I think now more than ever, you need to have those additional, like, you know, points of view, like having a lender that's super involved in the market like that that's really good at the market data. Like you need to try and gather information wherever you can. Cause I used to be able to assess pretty good just off of market data, like sales data, but we don't have enough right now. And we never have a crystal ball, but the market's been pretty volatile. And um, I'm super positive on the market. Like I'm not pessimistic by any means, but it's hard. You know, there's some lulls even like right now, like this week has been kind of a lull compared to two weeks ago. And
1: so, yeah, I really appreciate actually the referral of her. She's been great. And understanding that data, man. I mean, ultimately, like that data is going to come out in the middle of June, right? Or June 1st. And you're going to have to remember this lull in the time period to speak to that. And that's what's going on now. But here's how it's changed, right? Because statistics definitely have that lull. And I think the biggest mistake that agents make is they take those headlines and the things that are going on, and they don't know the data, so they can't back it up so so they come up and they show up pessimistically well if we're trying to get people into the market definitely you know i'm not a guy that's like forcing people to buy or sell but if i can take that data find a winner talk about it optimistically i think that that's a huge delineation kind of the next step in that that process is what you put out on socials and stuff if it can combat what everyone else is hearing through the media and all of that stuff it's massive, yeah. right? It because, part. Right, Because then they know, then they're like, oh, I can just call Jeremy. Then they can set the headlines down. Not to mention in my content, I'm saying, hey, like last April was the peak of our market here in the Denver area, right? So all these news, news outlets are gonna be coming out with year over year stats that are way down. Well, that was like freak. <laughs> you know, I, I compare that to California. I'm like, that was like California where <laughs> the prices were spiked and people were going hundred, two hundred thousand dollars 200000 over asking, which isn't normal for our market. And so, of course, the year over year data is going to be a little bit down, right? But 3 to 6% when you've gained 40 in the last two years is probably not, um, you know, a sky is falling type of, type of headline. So I think that that's huge too, is how you manipulate you know, the data in your brain and present it to people.
0: Well, and it's, uh, I want to dig into this data aspect a little bit more kind of, and, and I want to, I want to pivot on that topic a little bit over to the data of how you run your business, Jeremy. Like, Mm -hmm. so when you talk about sphere of influence, you talk about growing out your business, you know, one thing that's really important in managing a business is knowing your KPIs, right? Your key performance indicators, Mm -hmm. being able to track how you're performing um, and so what do you, you use from like a metric perspective to evaluate like how your business, how successful your business is as you're managing your sphere of influence?
1: Uh, I look on this board over here and I see how much money I've made this year. <laughs> that's my key KPI, but uh, no, not really. Um, but it's ultimately just consistency, right? And people say, oh, sphere of influence, that's old school. Well, I'm using modern strategies to pour into my sphere of influence, YouTube channel, social media you know, that kind of stuff. And I think the consistency in those places where I'm able to deliver content, that's not just the same thing on on a three month repeating circle is massive. So I think, you know, I have two YouTube channels. So, you know, I do three, four videos a week. And then, you know, taking that to short form and just trying to reach everybody I possibly can is is kind of that. But you know, at the end of the day, I tell people all the time, like if I'm, if I don't have four or five, six houses under contract and my wife says this all the time, she's like, you like freak out for, you know, two days. But then in that time, I'm going back into my Facebook messenger and I'm reaching out and I'm stirring up business and I'm, I'm showing up for people. And that's how I kind of get back on track. And I'm like, okay, like now we got the pipeline back filled. And, and that's all it takes typically is to, to do that. Not to manage managing partnerships, right? Referral partners across the country, um, lending partners, inspectors, uh, you know, and kind of go that route. So it's it's kind of a there's not like a okay, you need to make twenty five calls when it comes to sphere of influence, right? You just have to make sure you're showing up across your entire reach. I think is is huge.
2: Yeah, I was going to say just a nurture, like that's that's where I lagged for a long time was just some kind of nurture. So that's, and we've had, you know, obviously we've had sessions on that, talking about nurturing and how we stay connected and stay in front of our people. And um, even with the stuff that's automatically in place, I still struggle to make those calls. It's not for any lack of desire either, just, you know, get caught up in every the other million things
1: I'm involved in. And I think that that's, that's the biggest thing is, you know, go back to your, your foundation and that's why I teach that to my agents is like build the foundation so you know what's going on, right? I don't believe in drip campaigns. I have a weekly email, right? My weekly email shows my two videos that I did the previous week. So if if my weekly email can't have those two videos on, it's gonna look pretty funny. So I gotta do the videos. I gotta produce them. I gotta send them off to editing. I gotta optimize them. And then I gotta do the weekly email. And that's my you know, constant touch on people. Right. I, I also do a live video for my production side every Wednesday, right? Every Wednesday, except for two since January, 2020, I've been live on Facebook talking about something about the market. And so, you know, a lot of people look at how many leads did I get from YouTube and you know, what, how much time versus the lead I get out. Well, my clients constantly tell me, I saw your video, right? Mm-hmm. It might be on Facebook. It might be on YouTube. It might've been on Instagram. But they mentioned videos and, you know, just recently I got my very first organic YouTube lead, you know, after two years um, and she watched one of my videos, that video literally has 16 views. I need to work on my optimization, I guess, but it did get me a (laughs) $1.1 million listing. So (laughs) that's, you know
0: more than paid for (laughs) it.
1: Right. But I (laughs) tell people all the time, my YouTube videos just to educate my sphere or all my YouTube channels are just to educate the sphere. And then those relationships happen, whether they click on the link from the YouTube description to call me, or they find my number some other way. That's, you know, that's to be left unknown.
0: (laughs) And the very cool thing about that is, and you mentioned that was part of your passive pillar and we kind of all know is as you put it out there, it kind of just works for it works for you by itself, right? Constantly there 24 hours. And you never know at what point or what time somebody's going to watch it. You know, that right. 16th viewer in the case of your video. Yeah. And they'll reach out and and there you go.
1: Yep. Yeah, the evergreen content, you know, that's that's the beauty of that. And that's what I talk to a lot of people when we're picking those passive pillars. Give it 12 weeks, get consistent, get it right. Once it becomes automatic or once it becomes part of your routine then we can talk about building out the next and the next because I came into it you know, with, I'm gonna just go all in on everything. And I saw how that, I made it work and I made it adapt, but it took me hours and hours and hours of time and probably time wasted, so to speak, because of how I approached it.
0: Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Now, if you're watching on YouTube or streaming this on your podcast platform, if you could do us a favor, leave a comment down below And let us know where you're listening or watching the show from today. It greatly helps with the algorithm and helps us get reach out to more people who need or want to hear what we have to say. We greatly appreciate it. And now back to the show. And I kind of want to dig in a little bit more on your your schedule um, and kind of how you lay out your week because obviously to be able to establish that consistency, you really have to be doing things in advance ahead of time. Make sure you're filling your pipeline with content, with your videos, like, So what is like a typical week look like for you outside of what you've already mentioned, you know, like your Wednesday live videos, you're sending out your emails.
1: Yeah. And I, I mean, I think the first thing is constantly learning. Like you guys know as part of the group, we are in the live calls and all of that that comes into play is, is amazing. Now I tell people like, you're going to learn how to do every aspect of the business and don't get shiny object syndrome you know, because we've had calls the last five weeks on luxury, using Facebook, uh, yep. cold calling, open houses, you know, like as yeah. we go, but, and I kind of help people compartmentalize some of that, but the bottom line is always be learning. So I'm showing up to, you know, masterminds. I'm in, you know, I'm in an in-person mastermind that meets once a month with top agents from different brokerages in my market. I'm in another mastermind that's called the real estate agent survival guide. Right. And that's, You know, typically newer agents or agents that are supporting, I show up to that. And then we have, you know, our Wolfpack calls as well. And I think that it's crazy to me because people are like, Oh, there's a lot of calls. There's so many calls. I'm so busy. And I'm like, dude, (laughs) like, let me talk to you about business. Right. And so that's that's important to manage that, but those are non-negotiables, right? I'm always learning. I'm always looking at other ways to do something that I do a little better. And if there's new stuff, I kind of put them on the sideline, but I have a list of things when when I get bored to to dive into. So that's, that's number one is commit yeah. to educating yourself, educating yourself in the market, as you've heard me talk about, but also, you know, what's going on in our next level group, right? We're modern, we're, we're moving. There's people all around the country like yourselves that are pushing, pushing the group forward and pitching into that. So that's huge. Um, then, you know, it's kind of interesting because that's, you know, eight and nine o'clock on Monday morning. So that's how I start my mornings yeah. or my weeks. And then I actually coach, I do a six week accelerator for agents, you know, myself and my downline, that's, that's at 10 o'clock. So boom, that's all education, part me taking in, part me delivering. Um, and then it's, you know, time to focus on your deals. And I think as agents, especially when you're newer, the one deal or the two deals that you're under contract on consume all of your time right? And so you're constantly doing that. you got to remember that you can probably get most things done in an hour (laughs) that you need to do for a transaction once you're under contract. Right. And so there's that piece. And then you got to prospect a little bit naturally in my business, since I work mostly by referral with my sphere, you know, people are calling me like, Hey, I talked to Maggie yesterday. You know, she said you were the guy, like, let's get a search set up. Or can you come look at my house to list? And so that's been really nice. I don't say that I have to outwardly prospect because of how I built it, but you better believe that in the beginning, I was prospecting one to two hours a day, just working on those relationships. You know, I mentioned Facebook Messenger. I pretty much built my entire business through Facebook Messenger because I was able to reach down to people I hadn't talked to in many years, you know, from high school and that kind of stuff and, you know, start those relationships over again, almost, you know, and it, it wasn't anything that we did or didn't do. It's just you grow apart. But if you can reach down to those people and build that relationship, it's huge. So prospecting is part of it. I also have a family of three wonderful girls and a wife, um, and so I gotta, I, I have to get you know really intentional about that, right? Like, yeah. Um, my sponsor Louis uh, really helped me with this. Is like, dude, like if you're building this for the right life and for the lifestyle you want, like, you got to make sure you're, you're taking care of the family and and spending that time. So I have times blocked off in my calendar that just say, nope, family time. And, you know, I'm famous for, you know, people text me and I'm like, dude, no, it's family time. I'll get back to you whenever, you know? And so that's important to me as well. I also have 45 agents under me. Um, and I, I want to be a part of them building. Um, so that's another piece where it's, you know, okay. I use a lot of Trello and a lot of organizers to keep busy, but it's just, okay, you got an hour dive into that piece of the business. Right. And so that's kind of how I manage my time. My big Andy Frisella guy, you know, his power five is, is huge. Um, five needle produce needle moving, producing, uh, activities a day. And if he can build billion dollar businesses with, uh, with f- doing five things a day, then, I probably can too, and then kind of dive into your task list and go from there.
0: No, I mean, I I I love that, and like keeping your maintaining your time blocks and keeping to them, I think is probably one of the hardest challenges.
1: Yeah, especially as real estate agents, right? People call you and they're like, "Hey, the you know the world's burning down, you know, because there's this on a title commitment, or you know, we have this issue as a lender, or we have you know whatever it may be." Like stepping back, understanding again, dropping the ego, which is a huge thing as agents, like to drop your ego. Yep. And, you know, are we doing this to get the job done? Or are we doing this to get trophies, like Shane mentioned, right? And the truth is, if you drop your ego and do it to get the job done, the trophies come. And <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with that, but also the other thing too, like you were saying with sticking to time blocks, I'm
2: terrible at that. Like, <laughs> like cause it's, we get sucked into being reactive versus proactive. Mm-hmm. Like you're owning your day for the most part, it sounds like. And I'm sure
1: we're all human. I'm sure you have your moments. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I'm on a podcast right now. I'm not, I mean,
2: <laughs> that's. Wait that's a minute. Not- there, there's certain priorities, though. There's certain priorities. <laughs> but I'm just saying, though, it's being reactive is a problem. I know a lot of people turn off their notifications or put their phones on silent or whatever. And I've been trying to practice other things just to stay more focused because I get, I get easily distracted. And uh, a while back with my coaching, this coaching program I was with, they told me that when someone interrupts you, takes you like 15 and a half minutes or something to get back to refocus. So think about in a day, like how much you can lose in efficiency by being distracted. It's crazy.
1: Absolutely. And that's, you know, absolutely. You can get taken off. And if you just you just let your guard down for one minute, you can get taken off track. And all of a sudden you're like, Oh, what was I actually doing? Like, (laughs) you know, it's just like, I mean, social media scrolling, right? Sometimes you just get stuck in that and you just lost half an hour. Uh, and to say that, you know, I have it all figured out is, is a little bit aggressive, but I, you know, I try and model what I say as much as possible.
2: Yeah, no, I I appreciate that, especially as leaders, you know, mentoring other agents, it's like, you want to practice what you preach. Um, people don't really respect people that say do, as I say, not as I do. So, yeah, I appreciate that.
1: And I think that's, I mean, within our entrepreneurial journey, like we're naturally going to be in a lot of different things, right? (laughs) I know how many businesses and and things that you're in Shane. And uh, I think that that's, (laughs) that's pretty (laughs) respectable. (laughs) It's, it's good sometimes, but other times you're like, oh man. But I think it's, uh, it's super important to understand.
0: Jeremy, I'm Sorry, do you have something else you want to know? Oh no, I was just
2: gonna say like what you were saying the other day, Michael. Like just go, go like an inch wide and like a hundred feet deep, right? Like we were talking at the beginning too about inch, just taking yeah. a couple of things. And quite focus. A mile deep. Yeah. Yeah. Or is it a mile? Wow, even more than hundred feet. But but anyway, it's what five thousand two hundred eighty feet. But no, I just Denver, I was maybe. gonna. Say, no with that focus no a lot of it circles back to that focus to be successful like getting involved in a lot of things even like andy and some of these other guys that are you know billionaire companies and everything if you notice and i'm sure you guys have heard this as well is that a lot of these people that had this massive success they really just focused on one thing and ran it to the max and then eventually they invested or got involved in other things once they mastered something Mm -hmm. and i think that's like I don't want to say I have shiny object syndrome, but I, I think like even personally, like I've gotten distracted, you know, prematurely and gotten into a lot of things that have probably kept me from having even more success, like in my sales business, which is my first passion and true love, you know?
0: Well, and that's, that's part of the challenge that you and I have talked about chain, right? Like I think with new agents or anybody else, especially in this day and age of social media, they see, you know, like Jeremy, they see you, they see like multiple like you know these top producers winning all these awards making doing all this volume and sales and they're like oh i want that and i want that right away but what they don't realize is you know like jeremy what you've shared is you know you you grinded you grinded for how how many years you know shane you've been in it for 20 plus years
2: yeah um they don't they don't see that coil that went into it Yeah. yeah yeah The grind don't stop, Michael. The grind. No, don't it, don't, stop.
0: It, it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. But I think instead of seeing it as like the instant gratification, like one thing, like the, ch- the chain of perspective is like, you guys are still grinding, but what you did all those years ago, like is what led to today and you're building off of that. And you're constantly continuing to build off of what you did yesterday. Right. Well, I those- think
1: the only difference is, is that you get to at Shane and I's level, you get to kind of do the things that, you know, work, And, you know, that's, that's pretty easy. And what works for me, isn't going to work for you. And so I think once you get that, you get to that work ethic, but then guys in our situation, like we're always trying to go up, right. I'm my only competition. I want to be better than I was yesterday. I want to have better production numbers than I had last year. I want to have more agents and I want to help other agents, you know, see what real estate has done for me, but I can't, make the work ethic come together. And I think yeah. that that's, that's huge. And I think, you know, imposter syndrome, you know, seeing other people crushing on social media, just like we talked about on our call, you know, we had a great mental health call the other day, like, you know, everybody's going through something and it's not super easy to to maintain or even get to where we're getting to. So that's, that's really hard in this day and age in social media as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah, and no, I totally agree. Yeah, we've talked about imposter syndrome. And yeah, the other thing too is, um, you know, as far as like one thing that me and Michael were talking about this week too was like, and this has come up even in other circles, even within our wolf pack, is um, it's hard to take someone like me or you that's been doing it for a really long time at a high level. And Michael, you and I were talking about this yesterday. It's like trying to figure out how to capture that. And take it to a new agent, like, because there's a gap there, right? Like, because definitely like I'm even guilty of wanting instant gratification. And honestly, it was a lot of these, a lot of the reading, a lot of these books that I read that really slowed me down and got me to really understand that a little improvement each day takes you a long way. I mean, if you can get a newer agent to see that, I mean, that's the start, but there's still that X factor that Michael and I don't really quite have an answer for yet, but it's something that like, do do you relate to what I'm saying? Like, because you have new agents, right? So, yeah, I, I want to hear your take on that, right? So,
0: and, and Jeremy, before you do, I was t- just a little bit more background. I was telling Shane basically, Shane can talk the head off of anybody. Like, he is so good at just selling. Oh and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you can't bottle that up and transfer it to me. I can't learn that through osmosis.
1: <laughs> I don't care that much, right? No, it's, um, I think that that's huge. And I go through the same thing within my, uh, my group is like, I can say something and I can say, do it. And if it doesn't work right away, people have different thresholds and they're like, oh, I can't do that. I don't have the sphere that you have. I don't have, you know, this, Your my dad wasn't a broker, all the things that people kind of make up in their own heads. And I think that's why it's important. That's the power of our our model is that I can group newer agents together. I can deliver content and then set up a workshop kind of mentality between them and say, okay, you guys are at the same spot. You guys both heard what I said. You probably heard it differently. And how do you get to, how do you level up your business? Because at the end of the day, you aren't going to catch me. Right. <laughs> until I, until I quit doing production, yeah. no one's catching me. Right. That's my mindset. And, but I do want you to, to have the financial freedom and, and build wealth through real estate. And so, I think it's huge to kind of pair the the like personalities in the similar, you know, aspects together, you know, come together as a group, but then say, here's the people you can connect with because both our organizations are, are growing. And I think that that's a massive uh, advantage that we have to other brokerages, right? Because the brokerage model, the traditional brokerage model, or, you know, those other brokerages that are set up where it's, it's the same thing. Right. You have a top producer. Sometimes they're out of production, right? Up there teaching courses, teaching what however they did it. Well, that's old news. Right. Yeah. And so I think that there's there's the gap there is like grouping people together. You know, it's kind of the team model, but I don't I don't think it is even, because even on a production team, you know, are our agents treated as individual agents as part of the team, or is it like this is the team? And and there's both both setups in, in there. But I think that that's, that's massive is to find people who have similar drives, similar, you know, interests and want to build their business the same way, group them together, let them create synergy and, you know, have, have the teachers and the, you know, people who are producing at high levels give their, their secrets, but you have to organize it.
0: Yeah, and organizing in a way to your point that that works for them right and Mm -hmm. i really i really like that because you can come in at the same level but everybody comes in with a different perspective and a different skill set right like Mm -hmm. shane comes in with like you know shane's i'm just using shane and me shane and myself Mm -hmm. as an example but like if we were to come together like he has you know the sales background right Mm -hmm. i have the operations and strategy background right and so even when we hear let's say you tell us something and give us an idea I'm gonna interpret it from my operations and strategy perspective. He's gonna interpret it from his sales perspective. And between the two of us, we might have this idea that's gonna work brilliantly for both of us.
1: Right, and that's the value stack, right? Yeah. That's the beauty of, of our model is you have that on top of, you know, Mike Sherard and Connor Steinbrook and, and those people, and you can stack that value and and have give agents a ton, but they still need a, a roadmap. Yeah. Right. I tell people all the time when they come on, like we're going to sit down for 90 minutes and we're going to go through this roadmap because EXP plus the Wolfpack is a gorilla, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. and and there's no way. I mean, you literally could have state of the art training between EXP and the Wolfpack and maybe your realtor board, if you need to throw that in, you could train for five years. With just the stuff you have at your fingertips right this second when you come into the wolf pack. And so, okay, where do you go? Right. Social agent Academy, uh, you know, and then I have on top of that, Louie and mine, he's very systems and processes. So you have, have a lot of stuff in there. And so you just want to help him navigate because overwhelm is real. Right. And you have those lifelong students that, you know, aren't going to, they might have a PhD and they still want to learn every little bit of every little thing. And we all know that you got to make some money in this business.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Well, before we wrap up, Shane, anything else you want to, you want to cover?
2: I mean, since we're talking about sphere and, you know, having you as a captive audience today, rare moment, (laughs) I just, I mean, you know, we've obviously talked about, cause I'm big on sphere and I'm just curious, like, can you give like maybe one of your top like methods for nurturing and staying, you know, in contact with your sphere? Like what's what would you say is like your number one?
1: Yeah, um, the honest truth is uh, I I run a pretty specific gifting program. Um, and as an individual agent, I've, you know, been pretty successful. I closed 52 transactions in 2021. 36 of them were from repeat client or repeat client referrals. In 49 were from sphere of influence directly, and so a lot of that is my keeping in touch with people. And so the gifting thing is cool. I used to just give a really nice closing gift, uh, like a Nest thermostat or that kind of stuff. I know it's above the threshold and all the things. Don't uh, don't (laughs) don't go into that. Don't tell anybody. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But um, now I kind of spread that spend out over the entire journey. And one of the biggest things is my annual review process. And so everybody that's bought a home, which as new agents, newsflash, you're going to have a lot of buyers, right? And so if I can help them manage the asset throughout the journey, it's huge. So I do like an annual review and my tagline is kind of like you meet with your financial advisor every single year to manage your $25,000 retirement 401k or whatever. Why aren't you meeting with an advisor like myself that can help you manage a much bigger asset that your money's growing, you know, through leverage, your money's growing on, you know, a $500 million purchase, whatever it is. And so that kind of gets them thinking. And then in that, that view, I mean, here's, here's the secret sauce right here. I'll, I'll unpack it. I don't do CMAs <laughs> and I call manual annual reviews and I don't provide them a 10 page packet with a bunch of tables and, you know, a bunch of pretty pictures on them. I just say, okay, this is your estimated market value. The only thing people care about when you hand them a CMA is that last line of the 13 pages. And so I just tell them what that market value is. If it's an engineer or something, I I might have have some backup with me. Yeah. Um, but oh, most yeah,
2: people- are darn engineers.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: I love the details. Yeah, uh,
1: And then I just have their net equity. And then from then on, industry partners. I'm just driving people to industry partners. I say, "Let's look at your insurance, you know, situation." In Colorado, we had a big fire. I know you guys are familiar to that, but 80-75% of those homes were underinsured. So those people were just paying basically their mortgage off with their insurance, you know, checks and, you know, went from a million dollar house because their market was so accelerated to having to start over. Right, because the insurance check didn't give them much. Maybe they had the land that might be worth something. But so that's hey, how's your insurance? Call your insurance guy. Make sure that your insurance is keeping up with your accelerated value. And then I look in the lending, I do a lot of first-time home buyers. So you have a lot of mortgage insurance and that kind of stuff. How's your how's your interest rate? Right now we're probably not going to do a lot of refinances, but you know, how is that? Can we drop that mortgage insurance off? Does it make sense to drop the insurance off? cool, call this person, you know, and then I go to contractors, right? Manage the asset. I'm, I'm pretty confident that if I help people manage their home throughout the life cycle of their home, and they're using my contractors who I've vetted and trust, it's going to be easier to sell, right? If they have a new kitchen, that's not done by Joe Schmo off the street, but they, you know, a professional with a designer, that's going to pop, right? Any market, a home staged right, priced right, will will go well. So if they have new kitchens, new bathrooms, new landscaping, all of those things, but I'm also leveraging, hey, call this person. They're excellent. Hey, I've used this person. Call them. And I help I help them build their business so they help me build mine, and then I just talk about, you know, hey, do you have anything earmarked for your your uh equity, right? Do you have three daughters, like myself, you might have a wedding, couple of weddings to pay for in your future or college or, you know, whatever you're looking at. And if they say no, like, have you ever thought about, you know, pulling some money out and buying a buying a property, right? An investment property or a vacation home. And so that's really the only time it comes back to me as, you know, in that, you know, instance where I'm like, Hey, this is, this is how, what changed my life. Right. Was, you know, duplicating properties. And so that's that. And then at the end, just like a financial advisor asks, like I don't ask, I just say, hey, if anybody you know could benefit from a report like this, I'd be happy to to talk to them too. I do it as a service for my clients, but let me know, right? And so when they're at the party on Saturday night and someone's talking about their equity or leveraging it or whatever, they're like, hey, my real estate agent just did this. It was really informative. Um, and so that's, that's kind of the secret to my success there. I, I, uh, put a cherry on top. I usually on their home anniversary send them a pack of crumble cookies, um, every single year. Nice. Yep. Okay. $30 every single year I'm pouring nice. into my clients. It's, it's a huge investment. Not really, but you know, not just year one, not year two. It's every single year they're getting that in their home anniversary, And that triggers me to talk about the the uh annual reviews and and hopefully get them on on a call
2: that this is i love this this annual review side note really quick the crumble cookies there's i didn't know what that was my daughter one oh, yeah. open here. yeah i might as well be a shareholder there's always yeah. a box in my house and i can't eat any of that yeah but I i'm probably a shareholder by now yeah, and one other side note because i don't <laughs> want to interrupt you you have daughters and you're open to marriage i have a daughter don't even bring a boyfriend around here. <laughs> <laughs> I how did you we'll have to talk offline. I'd love to know how you process that. Cause I'm thinking, you know, keeping the gun collection close, like no boyfriend type of thing. You're already like paying for weddings. That's insane.
1: Well, there's seven. So I don't I'm not quite in the same uh
0: there yet. <laughs> oh okay.
2: House, so. yeah, she's sixteen, so check yeah. back with me in seven yeah. or eight Absolutely. years. <laughs> Absolutely. No, thanks for that though. That's great. I want to add that to my uh you know, my what I do um, you know, with my clients. Uh because I yeah, we do We do have the House Anniversaries calendared and and I do try to keep, you know, like I'm their go-to for all their contracts, whatever they need. Yeah. And recently I had a couple of clients that hadn't reached out to me and made some mistakes and then I'm like, Oh, I wish you had called me. And then I realized I should be calling you guys and checking in. So right. it's kind of on me, but thanks for sharing. That's great. I really, I really appreciate that.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, Jeremy, we uh, really appreciate you taking the time. This was super awesome, and you know, for those out there listening, I hope you stayed until the very end because you know that's where you got the secret sauce. Um, if folks want to connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: Yeah, uh, real estate agent playbook uh, on YouTube, the R E agent playbook on Instagram. Um, just out there giving giving little tips like that to to agents all over. Obviously, if if you have you know, somebody looking to relocate to Denver and that kind of stuff. Uh, My YouTube channel for that side of the business is living in the Denver suburbs. Awesome. How about the magic question, Michael?
0: Well, we always like to close with the one question of, you know, you mentioned at the very beginning, Jeremy, that, you know, when you first started out, you tried to do everything right. Mm -hmm. Um, If you had to go back and start your real estate business from the ground up today, knowing everything that you know, what would you do and how would you do it differently?
1: Um, I think I would have definitely looked at, you know, the question I ask all my agents, right? When they come on, I say, what do you do for fun where there's people? And if I would have just focused on that instead of trying to do all the things and do the open houses and, you know, all of that, I think that would have jump-started me a little bit sooner. Now, I had a sphere in place and over time I leveraged that. Um, but I think at at the very first I could have just said, okay, what do you like to do? And just change your intent my intention a little bit. Yeah. And I think that would have, you know, helped me. But neat I mean, the honest truth is I had a pretty good jump start. I, you know, my 10 year is July fifth, um, and I made 60k the first year and six figures plus ever since. And so I I think I was there, but I think a lot of agents don't, they overthink the business and they do things that they don't like to do and that causes burnout. And I think that's the real reason that our failure rate's so high is people don't leverage the things that are right in front of them. Yeah. And so ask yourself, what do I like to do, where I communicate with people, and then what's my plan to not be the annoying commission breath realtor? Um, what's my plan to, to leverage that? Awesome.
0: Thanks so much. We really appreciate you having you on and just joining us today and just all the, the, the nuggets of knowledge that you dropped for our audience. So thank you so much, Jeremy. Yeah,
2: thanks, Jeremy. Really appreciate all your
1: time. Absolutely, brothers. We'll see you soon.
0: See you soon.